1: But they're saying to me is, I wanted an icon. Mm -hmm. I wanted a role model. I wanted someone to look towards. My mother is struggling so much and beating herself up so much as she's aging. I don't want to take on her same energy. I admire the way you're doing it. And I want to learn from you. I want to be able to move into that phase of my life with so much wisdom and grace around it. Let's take a breath.
0: (sighs) Hey guys, I'm Cindy Lutvaco and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here and that you press play. I think you're gonna love this episode. We have Dr. Amanda Hansen on the podcast. She's also known as the Midlife Muse on Instagram and TikTok. She is a clinical psychologist and coach, and she's helping women especially to revolutionize midlife and embrace aging and all of the beauty that goes along with aging and evolving as we all will do, hopefully if we are lucky enough to spend that much time on this earth. I just love her so much and I find her so inspiring. And she has, as I say on this episode, so much grace about her because this topic, from what I've seen on the comments on her videos or just the way that people react to some of the things that she says can be very triggering for people. I think it's... A very sensitive subject. And a lot of women experience or have a mindset around this idea of aging very differently. And you can tell that just by the way that people react to her videos. But I personally really enjoy what she says. And I find her to be a breath of fresh air. I obviously haven't gone through midlife yet. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do everything a certain way because I don't fully know how that's going to go until I'm in That process. Dr. Amanda helps hundreds of women all across the globe through social media, but also in her groups that she coaches. And she actually was surprised that how many women are in her programs or are seeking her help who are in their 20s and 30s, who have seen their mom or their grandma go through midlife and really struggle with it. And she wants to help women to see it differently, embrace it. By setting an example herself, she has chosen not to color her hair or do any Botox or any type of maintenance as far as that goes. I'll let her tell her story, but I just, I find that really inspiring and not something that you see often. A lot of times you see women, especially on television or in the media who look like they did in their twenties, which is awesome. And I think that we all get the right to choose to how we're going to approach this and what we want to do and how we want to experience the process of aging in midlife. But I just love that there's other options out there. And there's people like Dr. Amanda that you can look up to if that's something you want to follow. Like I said, I don't know where I am at fully with it. I just know that it's nice to have a different option so that there can be more of a informed choice with how you want to approach it. And I agree with a lot of the things that she says. I just feel like there's so much power in embracing who we are and embracing the season of life that we're in. I just hope that this conversation and the things that we talk about today kind of open up your mind to the possibilities of different way of embracing who we are, how we feel about ourselves, and how that can really change how we show up in life. We spent most of our lives as women trying to tweak things or trying to fit into a mold that we are told is the right way to be a woman, quote unquote, but... I just know that there's so many other options out there and there's so much room for individuality with who we are. I love that people like Dr. Amanda are just giving you other options. So if this is something that you are drawn to or want to know more about, I will link all of her info in the show notes so you guys can reach out to her. But I truly think you're going to enjoy this episode. And I hope that you embrace what she has to say. Like I said, it can be triggering some of the things that she talks about because we all have different views on how we want to go through the process of aging. This is just another way of looking at it. So if this is something that you're aligned to, great. If it's not, awesome. There's no right way to do it because everyone is different. But again, this is just offering another option or another person that you can look towards if this is something that you feel called to or aligned with. Um, My something to share today, I was cleaning out the office today because I just felt very cluttered and just wanted to feel like some space in my work zone of the house. And I found one of my old journals and I just took pause and started reading through it. And one of the entries on like, the beginning of my journal is from 2017. It was after a guy had just broken off our situationship because we weren't really dating and I was reading through it and I was just like, Oh, that poor girl. I just felt for her. And I kind of wanted to read a couple of the things that I said, the way that I journal is kind of like a brain dump. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's more of just me unloading what's going on in my head. So I don't have all those running thoughts and it's almost like a letter to myself in a way so I wanted to share this today and I'll tell you why at the end so it says just got off the phone with a call from blank and wanted to verbalize my thoughts there's the feelings that this brought up annoyed with myself and him for letting this drag on as long as it did sad I gave him as much of myself so soon Better off so now space has opened up for the person I'm meant to be with. This was in 2017. And then I wrote things I can learn. I am worthy of so much and need to not give more than what I am receiving, to not accept less than I deserve, to be confident and happy in my own life and relationships before seeking it from others, that there is someone out there for me and that this is teaching me to be patient and to trust that I will end up with the exact right person I'm supposed to instead of settling for someone else what I want to leave this experience with. who I ever end up with has to be worthy of me and what I deserve. I want to enjoy this time and take it to learn more about myself and what I need. Continue to grow and push yourself. Someone will meet you right where you're at when the time is right. You are beautiful, talented, strong, caring, trustworthy, funny, warm, honest, and have a full heart for the person who takes the time, effort, and perseverance it takes to earn it and don't sell yourself short in the meantime you don't have to be everyone's person he saw the value in you at one point but couldn't give you his full-time energy or effort and what you actually deserved forget about him but learn the lessons you need to from this by moving on from situations like this you're getting closer to that person who you're meant to be with you are freaking awesome and capable of so much grace and beauty go out in the world embrace it and then I wrote a quote from my friend who I love. And she said to me after I was like, I'm probably crying on the phone to her about this. She said, I know whoever gets lucky enough to have you will have an awesome life. And I was just like, oh, it breaks my heart because I was probably in just such a little turmoil moment. And from being in a relationship now and finding all the things that I was like desperately looking for at that time, it just makes me feel like everything I wrote was true and that there was someone who was truly meant for me and that there was a greater purpose and all of that heartache and all of that time. Because after that, I think I went on the show like the next year or something. And then I ended up meeting Nick after I did the show. So it's just like, I wanted to read that as a reminder of there's always a reason for something sad that you might be going through or if you're going through a hard time or if you're single and looking for your person, just really truly have that faith. Write out a letter to yourself like that. Like Tell yourself how awesome you are and all of the qualities that you have to offer. And if you're going through a hard time, maybe what you can learn from that hard time to put into that next relationship, that next opportunity. But I just wanted to share that because I can, I can feel those emotions. It's getting me a little choked up too because I just... I know that girl at that time and she was really going through it. And I just want to share that. So, if you are in that same place, to not lose faith or lose hope because there is someone out there, you just have to really go through the shit sometimes to get there. And I'm totally with you and I feel you. So, if that is you, again, I'm just sending all of the love. And there's some other things that I wrote in this journal that I'm still working towards and some emotions that I'm still also feeling. So, in no way I'm like, am I done and perfect or anything in those means, but it's just a nice reminder that, hey, I didn't ever think that thing was going to happen and it did. So why can't all the other things that I'm writing down in the, on these lists or hoping for, why can't those come true as well? So that's my something to share, sending all the love. As always, please enjoy this episode with Dr. Amanda. Before you go, please rate, review, and follow the podcast so you can get alerted of new episodes every Wednesday. And without further ado, guys, here is Dr. Amanda Hansen.
1: This episode is brought to you by Bumble.
0: Dr. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. I am a big fan of yours. I watched all your videos and I just find you really inspiring. And I feel like your message needs to be spread out as far as it can into the world. So thank you so much for being here. How are you today?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. And I love that you feel that the message is resonating. Such the feedback that is happening. I think it's time to have these conversations that I am bringing to the forefront.
0: I really appreciate you doing that. It takes people like you jumpstarting the conversation, showing the example that not everyone has to live. Our lives the same way. Not everyone has to look the same way. Um, So I really appreciate that. For the people who don't know who you are, who are not familiar with your work, can you give us a little background on what it is that you do, who you
1: are, and how you got into this space? Absolutely. So I'm a clinical psychologist with a doctorate of over 20 years. And after being in the clinical space for so long, I started to feel as if the clients were spending more of the time in the energy of what happened to them. And it felt a little more in the victim space. And so while it's important to have context and understand how we got to where we are, why we think or function or believe the way that we do, I think that if we don't get into a place of transformation, radical self-responsibility, nothing actually really changes. So I moved out of the private practice space and into, I had opened a studio at the time in Connecticut where women were coming together for groups of 20 and it was lasting, it was sessions that were lasting for 10 weeks to six months and massive transformation was happening. Women's lives were completely changed in every single aspect because of a program I created and took them through. Then COVID happened. So I went into the online space, which beautifully for myself and for the women of the world, it's opened up this door for women. I have clients all over the world now where so much of the work is really helping women move from living like a baby princess into that of a queen. Because most women are walking around in the world functioning as a baby princess. And it's not until they're exposed to this work and my programs that they understand what it actually means to live and move and speak like a queen. Can you define baby princess for me? (laughs) Yes, baby princess is someone who is always seeking from the outside world, seeking love, seeking Mm -hmm. validation, seeking everything from outside in. And the queen is being the love. The queen is being the radical self acceptance. The queen is being confidence. So she is in a state of being less than she is desperately, constantly seeking um, mm-hmm. in all aspects of her life. And that just allows for so much more beauty in life and we start to unpeel. It's a very complex process. I mean, that's just like the outer layer of what it is, but it really is moving from that victim energy into Mm -hmm. massive ownership of every word that comes out of your mouth, every interaction in a relationship, um, even in regards to the way we treat other women. It's very much inner work versus seeing things outside of yourself.
0: I love that you do that. And I love that you help people to find that within themselves before we get into your whole process and all of the amazing, things that you talk about. I have two questions for you that I ask of everyone. The first one is to share an object because this podcast is about sharing. So anything from your nightstand, maybe for something that would be surprising to people or something with an interesting
1: backstory, anything that you could share along those lines? Yes. So the funny thing about me is I'm very much a, not a ritualized person and here's why. Um, mm. and I don't have like, Obviously, I have this unbelievable shelf of a million different objects and crystals and crowns and just beauty and treasures. And yet, if it were all to be gone tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would be perfectly fine because the most incredible object that is near my bedstand is me. I am the ritual, I am the essence, I am the being. So I'm not someone who necessarily collects or has things because I am the thing. So when Mm -hmm. we are living so aligned and embodied, I truly, every piece of my life feels like ritual, because I'm so present, I'm so present in this conversation. The client I saw earlier and what's happening after this are not even in the space. It's this here and now. So when we live so presenced, Hmm. I feel that we need less things to transport us or create something. I can create any feeling I want whenever I'm ready to create it. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. We are always sold, even with self-care and taking care of ourselves, we're sold like you need this journal, you need this practice, you need this course, you need all these things. But I love that you bring it back to, I have all the things I need within myself. I don't need to add all those extra things. They're great and they're nice to collect and have, but you're not relying on one thing, products that's going to start your day off or whatever it is for you. I don't. It's beautiful. My next question is anything that's on your heart or mind lately. It could be related to your work. It could be anything, really, anything that's been on your heart or mind lately.
1: Oh, well, yes. What's been on my heart and mind lately is how actually beautiful it all is supposed to really be. And Hmm. in a world, especially in a country in the United States right now, where we are living with so much fear, because the way I see it, there's really just two options, always and forever. There's love or there's fear. And what is happening inside my four walls of my home with my family, we have a very diverse family. We have so much love that I was thinking we had a very um, revolutionary experience in our home the other night, just the way we live anyways. And I thought if there were just a camera capturing what was happening right here, this uh-huh. is what reality TV could actually look like, which I would never expose my family to that because it's just heinous. But I thought <sighs> this is actually the beauty of what it can look like behind four closed or four closed walls, where people speculate and have fear about anything that looks different, moves differently than them. But in uh-huh. truth, as soon as we get some proximity to someone that is different to us and we just stay a little while, we realize there was never anything to actually fear. It was always Mm -hmm. love. And so what's on my heart right now is we as a country are operating with so much separation and fear that is so misguided and misaligned. And I'm deeply saddened for the future children who are coming up in this country.
0: It's a tough time to be in this country, in the world right now. There's so much going on. I agree. It takes seeing examples of beauty or good or even just like real life experiences like your family, like you mentioned, but we have such a curated life, whether it's from social media or it's from the news or from what people are willing to put out and show. So everything is so curated and designed. So it's hard to get to like the truth. How do you find that beauty? Is it just a matter of looking for it, being aware of it? Like how do you find more beauty in your life or shift your focus to beauty for you?
1: I pay attention Like when I go outside, if I have 30 minutes between sessions, I go outside, I'm outside, I'm not on my phone, I'm presenced with the way the water is moving with the sway of the palm trees, with any lizard that I see walking by, I'm presenced. When you are living presence, you are in the beauty of life. When I'm out in the world, I'm flirting with every single human, with every single animal, with every single baby, with every single heartbeat that passes by my path because I'm presenced. And so when you Uh live so present to life, you are able to find beauty everywhere. It's in every piece of mother nature. It's in every single human being. And I'm really presenced with my family and my people. Uh, If I'm having a conversation with them, I'm having a conversation with them. I'm not Mm half having a conversation with them and also checking my phone. I'm with them. And I think we are losing the art of what it means to be present. People can't even go into a coffee shop anymore without standing in line and being on their phone. It's like we've lost the art of communication. We think everything else is so terribly and wildly crucial and important with someone that we're not even with as opposed to mi- mm-hmm. we're missing opportunities of humanity that's right there in the room with us. Mm. It's so true.
0: Like even walking down the street, like I used to live in New York, everyone was in their phone. That's like super dangerous. But I'm wondering with your busy life and all of the things that you're doing and accomplishing, are there moments where that presence slips or that you have to be like, wait a second before we have this conversation until I can really be in it. Is there a way that you work with that for yourself? Because I can imagine you've built this practice, so it's kind of neat. but I'm, I'm sure that there are moments or times
1: where you're busy or things happen that could pull you away from presence. Yes. There's really this idea of when I'm in my office and my doors are closed, that's an, a time, unless there's an emergency, that I, if you mm-hmm. need to come in, you need to understand I'm going to be in the energy of work and will probably not be able to be fully present for you. I'll be somewhat distracted, right? But it's about being able to create sacred spaces where it's like, okay, these are the places in the home where I am not working. So whether that's the kitchen, Mm -hmm. the family room, out by the pool, these are the times and spaces where I am together with the people. Um, I think it's really important. And if something comes up that is unexpected to be able to say, I am so sorry. I need to push pause in what we're talking about. I want to come full circle back to this, but right now I need to step away and handle this thing that's come up. But I also keep pretty good Mm -hmm. boundaries around times of day where I, even to my team, I'm not accessible. Um, Weekends are pretty sacred as well, because if we don't ever have time to replenish and restore, I think that we can burn out. And then in the long run, that's no good for anybody. I was going to say, it sounds like you have really good boundaries
0: around work and when you do things. And it's nice to have set spaces for work or set spaces for this. So it's easier, especially if you're working from home and things yes. like that.
1: And boundaries don't just benefit me, right? Like they benefit my clients. They benefit my team. Yeah. They benefit my family. They benefit. Um, it's just a standard, right? Like leading with a standard that says there's nothing that that is that crucial or that imperative mm-hmm. over my personal life, like my personal time with my people. Love
0: that. I would love to get into your work and how you got into this space. You said that you worked in psychology before, but now you're online. For you personally, coming into this revolutionizing midlife space that you're in right now, was there a turning point? Was there an event? Was there just a need for it in your own life that you got into this work? What was your coming to this whole
1: space of revolutionizing
0: midlife for you?
1: Yes. As I was approaching my 40s, Um, I was watching so many women in my life talk about, you know, whispering at all the dinner parties about how much Botox they're starting and how many fillers. And I thought, Mm. what what is happening? Like, is this, are we, this is what we're doing now? Um, Because it wasn't on my radar. I wasn't, it's not something I was thinking about. And so that was happening concurrent with me going to a typical appointment for the hair salon to get my roots dyed. And at this point I was having to go like every three weeks because my grays were coming in and I'll never to this day know what happened I I really won't but there was something that happened where I was on my phone I had the dye in my hair my stylist had walked away for whatever 20 minutes to let it set and I was on my phone and there was a moment where I glanced up and the salon was just filled with women with these chemicals on their head And who had the foils and who had this and all the different things. Right. And I thought, what are we doing? It hit me for, it's like, I saw it for the first time and I could never Uh unsee it. It was, I felt deeply haunted by it. The fact Uh that I myself was sitting there, not questioning what I was putting onto my scalp, knowing Uh that the rates of breast cancer are so high for women, knowing that my own mother has had a double mastectomy, Uh knowing that the chemicals that women are continuing to put in their bodies without question. And to what end it's absolutely terrifying. And so I think for me, it was like my husband who's six years older than me, he was moving into the midlife space, had already moved into it without even a questioning. As a matter of fact, his value was increasing his Uh value as the sexy Foxy is a very good looking man was going up. And I started to understand that my value was decreasing as I was aging and it was becoming very apparent in the world that I live in, a lot of the spaces and places I keep where I live, I've always lived in very fashion forward, very high trend spaces. So I thought, what if I get to choose something differently? What if I get to actually decide I'm gonna opt out to toxic beauty culture entirely and I'm going to meet myself in the mirror every single morning as a woman on this journey with so much honor and dignity for who I'm seeing, every line, every silver hair, every piece of my body, my skin that is changing. And so that's what I decided to do. And it has been, I'm actually working on a book and I couldn't have imagined this kind of freedom existed. And this kind of Hmm. love for self existed. When I removed all the chains, all the shackles, I don't even get manicures or pedicures anymore. I mean, I do none of that because I wanted to experience a life of that much authenticity in that freedom. So, and also for me, the time and energy it takes to, I have, I know people who spend an average of like six to eight hours a week in maintenance. (sighs) I think it's abhorrent. I think it's absolutely abhorrent that we have created such a multi-billion dollar machine that keeps women forever chasing. And this is why the most recent Merrill Lynch and Bank of America um, co-study shows that it'll be 257 years before women even catch up, not surpass, but catch up to men financially. And that's because we spend so much of our resources on toxic beauty culture, poisoning ourselves and no one's questioning it. We're just all like lined up like conveyor belts lined up. And so for me, I was like, no more. And I'm going to bring this message to the world. And the women who feel like they're interested will step in and those who aren't will run away. And it's all perfectly fine.
0: Where do you think that this started? Where do you think like the problem actually lies? Is it like the toxic beauty industry? Is it patriarchy? Is it uh, women putting these standards on other women? Like, what do you think the the problem actually comes from? Or is it all of those things And in, in order to fix it? Like, how do we get to that root of what it is that we're all lining up for to do these same rituals, same things?
1: No, it's it, and I think it's sad. I think about my 19 year old daughter, I can't stand there and tell her to love herself and then turn around and alter myself. Yeah. And I also think it's sad for future generations. Like, are we even going to know what it looks like for my grandchildren to see a grandmother? Like, mm. I think about my grandmother's faces and their arms and what that represented to me. And it's so important to me to keep that going. But I think it is a combination of patriarchy. I think it's a combination. It started back, you know, thousands of years ago, um, with even women wearing, you know, corsets and putting Mm -hmm. things on their body to look a certain way. But what I think lives at the root of it, the absolute root of all of it is that women don't actually believe they're worthy. So we are chasing and proving our worth because if you actually let yourself just authentically be, and I'm not talking about not taking care of ourselves. I'm not talking about, you know, not washing our faces or getting good sleep or eating healthy or brushing our hair. Um, I love all, you know, all of those things, of course, but I actually think there's an inherent message that we walk around with that says, I wouldn't be picked. I wouldn't be chosen. It's only when I meet a certain standard that I get to be in the room.
0: It's similar to that. I'll be happy when
1: I do this. I'll be happy when I get this. And I find so many women who come to work with me who appear like they have it all and they are dying inside because they know that what they're attempting to do to be happy is just a hollow expression of what they're truly seeking. In their lives
0: find that self-love i know that's a huge factor in all of this what does that really take how do you get someone to truly love themselves and see themselves in order to make these shifts that you are helping them find like what is that process actually like
1: that process is truly the unlearning of everything we've ever believed about what it means to be a woman and so in my programs one of the things i tell women on the very first night is that I have them all put a picture of themselves for the program that they're working with me, whether it's an eight week program or six months, I have them put a picture of their eight to 10 year old self on their phone as their screensaver for the remainder of the time they work with me. Mm
0: -hmm. And every
1: time they reach for their phone, there will be a remembrance that we're going back to get her because Mm -hmm. she knew. She knew what she loved. She felt free in her body. She was excited. She expressed that. If she heard great music, she started dancing. She did all of the things that we wish so desperately we had the courage to live. With that uh-huh. kind of freedom. And so, somewhere around 10, the research shows little girls look up and they realize that the world has an expectation of them how they should look, what size they should be, how much they should eat, how much they should talk, how loud they should be, how they should sit with their legs crossed. And so, they start to lose the magic, starts to fade from their eyes, uh-huh. and they start contorting themselves and becoming pretzels for the world's pleasure uh-huh. and stop living for themselves. So, so much of feeling, um, how do we get back to self-love is going back to reclaim everything we already knew. We Mm -hmm. always knew it. We just let society brainwash us to think that this is how we had to live. So we're going back into the deep, dark woods and it's a journey to get there to reclaim her. She's still standing there waiting for us. How long did that process take for you? Was it once
0: you made that decision? You're like, Oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. It was overnight. Like how long did it truly take for you to get to that self-love, that self-acceptance, that freedom?
1: I think it's a forever journey. Like I believe Mm -hmm. that I am evolving. I'm not here to stagnate. I'm here to evolve until my final breaths. And so I think it's deeper levels I'm attaining and getting to. And I'm walking around in the world thinking like, oh my gosh, if if I could bottle this, this would be the only thing a woman would ever buy because Mm -hmm. it's all that you really need. Um, But I would say I am a really quick study. I am When I decide something, I am both feet in. Mm -hmm. in all aspects of my life and no turning back mentality. So that day in that salon, when I made that decision, there was never a doubt, not for a minute, that I would do anything other than just Mm -hmm. age naturally and speak about it and learn to love it. Even when, I mean, listen, there are still days in in a world where everyone is living um, so altered There are days where I think, would that have ever been easier? But it's like maybe a millisecond. And I think, no. To think that I would spend the rest of my life being a slave to appointments, to feel acceptable in the world, to fill my body with chemicals and toxins, no, I'm good. It sounds like true authenticity for you, for sure.
0: It's wild. I want to go back to the Botox and the hair care and all of those things, because from watching your videos... And from all the virality that you've had over your work, it seems like this is a very triggering topic for people. Mm-hmm. And I even remember I went on The Bachelor back in the day and I the first like few nights we were in the house, all the women around the table were talking about like the preventative vote talks they were doing and all the things that they got before coming on the show. And I was looking around the room and I was like, oh my God. I should have gotten Botox before this. I didn't know that we were doing Botox now. like We're all in our 20s. I didn't know this was a normal thing. So I was like, am I less than or am I not going to make it because I didn't get Botox before coming to the show? So all of these things just are just naturally a part of the conversation and it can be very triggering for people and it's hard for people to, even if when they make that decision to really stick by it, because then they're seeing all their friends and all these people doing it. So why do you think it's so triggering? And what is your message behind Botox?
1: I think it's so triggering because deep down, they know there's a truth to it, that they are poisoning themselves. They're putting botulism. It's a neurotoxin. So let's not pretend it's anything else. And I am, I am insulted that there is even a storyline brainwashing women it's it's astounding absolutely i don't even look at that video anymore because i am um it's actually given me so much great material for my book but it is mm-hmm. astounding the amount of young girls who actually believe that it's preventative it's fascinating to me i'm like preventative of what do you think <laughs> do you in. actually think you're not going to age you actually mm. think, and do you understand what you're doing to your face? Do you understand that that when you continue to use Botox and fillers, if you ever reach a point where you decide not to, or you become sickly and you can't, do you know what your face is going to look like <laughs> when mm. you have put so many chemicals in it? And then the atrophy that will happen rather than the natural aging process and how much more your body will require because it becomes so used to it.
0: Yeah. So it's just a train.
1: Once you get on, you cannot get off when you've been on it for a long time. And so I think it's triggering because when we are triggered, it usually is illuminating a deep truth that we're not willing to look at. So when we're triggered by someone who's maybe insanely successful or has done something in their career, we're like, oh my gosh, I, I, like a jealousy or, or an envy. It's typically mm-hmm. because they have something, they've acquired something that we so deeply want. And they think uh-huh. what people so deeply want but would never allow themselves to admit is they would deeply love to be so wildly free and in love with themselves and not need to be slaves to appointments and chemicals and toxins. Mm -hmm. So I think otherwise you would not be triggered. You'd be like, oh, okay, keep scrolling. But to stop and write a comment with so much defensiveness and sometimes anger proves my point exactly that that's how insecure these women feel. Yeah. It's hard to watch. And
0: if that's something you want to do more power to you, absolutely. But to so get defensive about it and accuse other people of like coming down on them or all the comments that they were it's just it's hard to see because also we don't really know the long term effects like we've only seen it like we see all the housewives have it and that's your mindset around what it looks like but you don't really get to see like years and years and years later so it can't be scary you don't really know what this could lead to.
1: So. so we used to think when somebody was having severe depression or emotional outbreaks, they used to do lobotomies. They used to remove mm-hmm. the frontal lobe. Then we learned, oh, well, maybe that's not what we should be doing. Um, we used to tell women, my mother-in-law, for example, was told during her pregnancies to smoke cigarettes because it would help keep her weight down. She smoked during oh, her God. pregnancies and <laughs> right. So it's like, we know the yeah. better, we do better. So just because we have no long-term research, um, behind this and we are the newest study that just came out is showing that that women who have Botox are not able to emotionally connect and relate and people are less interested in being in relationships with them because they are always frozen. And so, yeah, yeah, we know that like, if I'm crying and upset and I'm sharing with you, human nature, your face will react to my Mm -hmm. emotion. And in doing so, my brain will pick up that you are understanding, you are showing compassion. I feel that you hear me. I feel Mm -hmm. safe. I feel held in this moment. But when your face is the same at all times, my brain starts to feel shut down, feels like you don't understand me. I start to feel disconnected from you. And the research is also showing you as well will not feel connected to me because part of the human connection is when we are mimicking each other's facial expressions. So when your face is frozen and you can't do that, you are starting to not feel as connected to humanity and they not to you as well.
0: Yeah. I saw someone say that when you control like your forehead muscles, you you don't feel sadness as much, which I mean, I guess could be seen as a good thing, but then you're not really letting yourself feel those emotions. And the same thing with like doing the smile lines, you're not producing smile and joy as much. So that's kind of scary to be dimming those emotions. Yeah. Stuff. One thing I noticed about you as well from your content and everything you put out, you have this grace about you when people are negative or say, or going against what you're saying, you have this overall i just describe it as grace mm-hmm. do you go into what you do with that intention is that something that's innate in you like how do you go about that because i know from myself from being in the social media space it's not easy to have that kind of grace or to not want to react or to not want to shut down so what how do you approach that for
1: online thank you for saying that um yes it is grace and truly because i know from a wounded space from a space that feels contracted people write nasty things, but it's only because Mm -hmm. they haven't had an opportunity to maybe feel something different or believe something different. And so I want to always keep the door open for people to possibly consider what an alternative could be for them. You might disagree with the message, but you don't have to hate me. Um, I've had so many people say things like, You know, I mean, there's a variety of things, but I think what it really comes down to, whether it's like me in a beautiful dress, just like dancing, or it's me Mm -hmm. talking about Botox. I think the biggest struggle, whether it's men or women is my self-love and my freedom. And what I'm helping people to understand is they're like, who are you doing that for? What are you trying to prove? Um, Mm -hmm. It's this energy of like, that's actually the problem that you think I'm doing, I'm showcasing what self-love actually looks like and feels like this is not for the male gaze. This is what it looks like to be an embodied woman who is so deeply presenced with herself and her body and her soul. And so I just think that it's important to continue to like sprinkle the seeds of that. And I cannot tell you how many women have then reached out and been like, thank you. They were ready for like a back and forth and I just won't engage in that way. I have such a high vibration and I live at such a high level in my life. Um, I don't engage with anyone like that. And so I think often they're very shocked and very astounded. Um, There's a point at which I just can't keep up with comments now. It's, it has a life of its own, but um, there was a time where I was able to do more of that and women would, would thank me and often remove without me ever asking, often remove Uh the comment that they put up originally. I love that. That's a a community within itself.
0: Yes. There are good people online. (laughs) There are. Of course there are. Yes. Well, you talk me through, I know you have this beautiful soul care routine. And it was in one of your videos where you talk about self-care versus soul care and how it's different. And I can tell that you you see people some people you see, you can feel like they're maybe going through something or you can feel their energy might be low. I feel like with you and people like you, there's this like lightness and energy that you want to be around. What What is that? Is that from your soul care routine? Like, talk me through that process for you.
1: Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to the question you would asked earlier. It's just such a presence in my living. Mm -hmm. And that is the joy of what is actually happening, like even right now outside my window, what I'm seeing, the presence of that is fueling my soul, right? The the few minutes that I have in the morning as I'm getting ready, you know, I start my morning with affirmations in the mirror to myself, because I don't wait for the world to approve of me, I approve of myself before my morning even starts. And with that energy I move through the day with a soul that is overflowing. That's why I'm not reactive to people's negative comments because I know it's coming from a hurt and wounded place within them. I know that if they were feeling as filled up and and so in love with self as I am, they would never say that in a million years. So I think that we have sold this idea of, Um, get your manicure, get your eyebrows threaded, get all of these appointments because that's self-care. We've actually deluded women to believe that that's empowerment, that that's feminism. when they make all their appointments. But I have to question, is it? Is that actually self-care? Is it possible? Self-care happens with self. I myself perform self-care. I don't pay someone else for it. Listen, I love a great massage. I'm not anti any of that. But I just want us to understand the nuance there. It's like, this is how we keep women opening their pockets. It's like, oh, I'm I'm doing a whole day of self-care and pampering, but it's really called maintenance. Let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Self-care doesn't require you to leave your home or spend a dollar. Self-care mm-hmm. is you with a journal and your thoughts. Self-care is you writing out all of your desires and then looking at each desire and what fear is blocking that desire from really coming to fruition. That's self-care. Self-care is dancing for yourself in the mirror and paying special attention to the parts that you've not been so nice to. Self-care is writing a love letter to your body. Self-care is forgiving or calling someone that you've had an impasse with, that is self-care. Self-care is brushing your hair with intention and seeing yourself in the mirror as you brush your hair. Mm -hmm. That's self-care. A long, beautiful bath filled with rose petals and music and candles for yourself, that's self-care. And so when Mm -hmm. you do that, you don't don't need any of the other stuff. If you want it, great, fantastic. But self-care is fueling, to me, my soul. So it's my soul uh-huh. care routine that allows me to radiate in the world. And what has uh-huh. people constantly asking me, what are you doing for your skin? What you-? And people refuse to believe that I'm not doing some form of Botox or something. When of course I'm not because it's hard for people to believe and they're like, well, then it must be retinol. Like people want to get to the bottom. I'm like, no, it's just vitamin C cream from Whole Foods. I know it's hard to believe, but this yeah. is this is what we can actually, how we can actually shine and radiate when it comes from so much soul care that I do for yeah. myself. It's almost like your feeling of yourself
0: and like that love is radiating out. That's creating that beauty. It's that inward outward beauty that we're all searching for. Um, and it doesn't take, all those extra things because we're sold that if you buy this cream, you do this thing, then you'll achieve that. But I agree there's all that self-work can only lead to feeling better about yourself. And that really does show it's whether it's like overnight or it takes a lifetime to get there. It really does make a difference and you can feel it when people enter a room when you're talking to someone, if they're doing that or not, I can tell that you are. <laughs> yes. Um. One thing that I also appreciated was, I, I remember reading this when uh, Sex and the City came back for the new season and they're all in their mid- midlife period and everyone was talking about Sarah Jessica Parker and letting her hair go gray and how brave she was about doing that. She was quoted as like, that's not bravery, like please award someone else for bravery because I'm just, I'm just tired of going to the salon. Like I, I don't need to be called brave for doing this and how we need to rework that. Cause I, there's like men who are seen as like silver foxes for letting their hair grow gray and all of the things. So can you talk me through that bravery aspect and how we should be looking at that differently? Because we do award people for like very weird things that are brave when all these other things women are doing or people are doing that are actually brave that we don't necessarily look to that as bravery
1: that's such a great point and i think that when if we dissect it a bit and we consider the fact that women are even believing that this is bravery because i had women say that to me constantly um the fact that they even saw this as bravery is what is so telling about where we are as a world and the standards of what we expect women to look like. So to be in my natural self, Mm -hmm. just like if we break this down for a minute, to be in my natural self as a woman is considered brave. (sighs) That's, that's what we're saying. I mean, that's, terrifying and fascinating all at once it's like wow you could you're so brave you get to you're actually walking in the streets with your real face and your real hair oh my gosh how do you do it I mean that's essentially the reaction people are like floored by it all the time and I'm like you know I have one of my dear friends whose son died in a car accident Mm -hmm. two summers ago she decides to get out of bed every day and keep living that's fucking brave yeah You know, or my friend who's battling her second round of breast cancer with young children. Hmm. That's brave. She gets up and puts a smile on her face, packs their lunches, takes them to school before she goes to chemo. That's brave. Yeah. Or having a partner walk out unexpected for a lover. You never saw it coming and you have to pick up the pieces of your life. That is bravery to Hmm. me to keep going and finding your way. Not walking in the streets with my real face and my real hair. So I really want to, when we start understanding, it's going to take a massive shift for more and more people to live that way. And then it will just become more choice more normalized but right now for those of us who are doing it we are considered revolutionaries it shouldn't be
0: like that because there was a time where growing old was seen as like wise and people looked up to their elders and it was around the time where like you you brought your elders in to live with you and it was this respect thing about it i think we've lost that i know certain cultures still have that but it seems like in america we've definitely lost that appearance of what it means to grow older. So I'm curious of what that means for you now that you have revolutionized midlife for you. Like, what does it mean for you to age and how do we do that well?
1: I take it so seriously. I cannot believe the amount of late 20 to early, even to mid 30 year olds that are in my programs now. It's Mm -hmm. actually not something I had suspected, but they're saying to me is I wanted an icon. I wanted a role model. I wanted someone to look towards. My mother is struggling so much and beating herself up so much as she's aging. I don't want to take on her same energy. I admire the way you're doing it. And I want to learn from you. I want to be able to move into that phase of my life with so much wisdom and grace around it. So for me, it is such a gorgeous privilege um, to be walking on this path and showcasing what is, uh, an option for the younger girls but it's also I feel like I'm going around opening up all the cages of all the 40, 50, 60-year-old women. You know, I'm working with 60-year-old women who are canceling their botox appointments for the first time just because, you know, I, I never say anything about yeah. that. Um that's just something they've decided because they are so on fire in a way they've never been. They don't even want that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um I have women having multiple orgasms in their mid to late 60s because For the first time, they understand what it means to be in touch and in love and in pure awe of their entire bodies. Hmm. So I have women who are just coming alive in different decades through this work. So I think this work and what I'm doing as I revolutionize midlife is I'm helping women see how beautiful it was always supposed to be Hmm. to be a woman.
0: It's huge when you see yourself differently like that, when you see yourself for the beauty that's there there's so much power. And it's it's interesting how just seeing that beauty affects not just how you see yourself, but all like your relationships and your intimacy, as you mentioned, and all these other things are opened up when you tap into that side of yourself. That's really beautiful. Yes. Everything gets to change. I love it. Will you talk me through your process and how you work with your clients and how you tap into that for them? I I'm, imagine everyone is different. There's a different, probably, processes that people might go through or th- experiences that they may be coming into your workshops with or whatever it is, talk to me through how you guide them to the space that you're in.
1: Well, really for each woman, like I have, I have, I wouldn't even say it's a template as much as I have a process that really helps them in the very beginning, start to examine the beliefs by which they're living by. So I have them make a list for me of all of the things they think it means to be a woman in the world. Tell me what you believe, because every woman's going to be a bit different. There's a lot of obviously overlap, but depending on which religion you grew up in, what culture, what part of the world, um, parental as well, there's influences that impact how we believe we're supposed to be women in this world. So I first want to have a basis and an understanding of of how she's operating so that we then really quickly can identify um, what it is that she needs to unlearn because then after Mm -hmm. making that exhaustive list we go through it and it's like is that something you agree with is that something you deeply feel good about nine times out of ten most of that list is like no but that's what I'm Mm -hmm. living I'm so imagine like you're living by a set of expectations or rules that are Mm -hmm. so counter to the truth inside of you that you know it's supposed to be more beautiful than this ridiculous set of rules yet you're living every day by this imagine how squashed Mm -hmm. your spirit will be Imagine how far you really are from your essence as a woman. Um, And so I help them then one by one unlearn and rewrite and replace those rules by something that feels so true for them individually. And that's different for every woman.
0: Do you find that there's fear around that sometimes? Because it's almost easier to just go along with what everyone else is doing or what you've been told. Do you find that there's fear in that? That has to be unworked as well.
1: After the average, I've been keeping the research and the data on this, the average is two weeks after working with me. Um, There is an equal mix of exhilaration and fear, Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. exhilaration always overrides the fear because they didn't even know that what I'm suggesting was a possibility because no one. Is speaking to them about it. So what I do warn them, uh, people who work with me in the very first evening is or day um, is that you will have to say goodbye to some of the allegiances you have in your life, because the places and spaces you kept prior to working with me, you will outgrow. It should be like Hmm. one of the warning labels that comes with working with me. You won't fit in the places that used to be satisfying to you before.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of
1: sense. It's almost like
0: you have to let that part of you not necessarily die, but you have to have that mourning process too of like saying goodbye to things that maybe made sense for you before and that make make you look differently even to the people around you or your friends, your family, anything like that. It's. Yeah, that can be scary, but also, like you said, very exciting because there's another level that you can achieve from there.
1: Right. And in my programs, um, I'm also simultaneously building the most exquisite and nourishing communities of sisterhood. Mm-hmm. So what's beautiful is that when women begin on a journey with me and it culminates at the end, I have a, an in-person retreat. And then what happens to watch over the years, these women end up becoming all of each other's best friends. They travel together, they go and see each other all over the country. Um, And so it's really exciting that when you do this work in a sisterhood, Mm while you may have to release some people, You welcome in new people that have a language and a way of living and believing about being a woman that is so nourishing. Um, It's kind of built into my programs, which I believe the building of a sisterhood is so important.
0: I love that. How do we as women truly support one another? That's another thing that we're always advertise or it's like cute captions of like empowered women empower women but what does that really mean to actually support one another like how can we be advocate for other women truly
1: yeah we can't really advocate for other women until we fully understand that there's no power in one woman rising and that every time i open my mouth and say an ill word i cannot say an ill word to you without also harming myself Mm -hmm. And so that my, the only way I can fully celebrate and support myself is in also fully celebrating and supporting you. And that knowing that our rising together is the only way things will ever change for women. So there's a lot of internalized misogyny between women where women don't like Mm -hmm. women either. They've bought so deeply into the patriarchy. Um, And Uh so I think that it's examining our own internalized misogyny and the way we ourselves don't like women and the way we feel threatened by another woman's win or gain rather than and seeing it as an illumination of what is possible for us. Every time I see a woman do something that I want, I get so excited and turned on because she's proved it's possible. And Uh there's no such thing as limitations. There's not. And I think if we relate it to the blades of grass in a lawn, Uh the grains of sand on a beach, the trillions of dollars in the world, the seven and a half billion humans roaming this earth, there's abundance everywhere. So if you're looking through the lens of scarcity, you are going to tear other women down because you're going to feel like there's only so much room in the world for certain women to rise. But if you're able to see the abundance and the possibility and that actually the only way for things to change is for the entire collective of women to rise, all tides rising together. That's so, so true.
0: Yeah, there's so much room, but we also we we see it as scarcity because if she has it, then I can never get there. You start to tell yourself all these reasons of like why she has it and you don't. But if you see it differently and you see it as a win for yourself because she's winning, that's that's a big shift that we could, I'm sure, a lot of people could make, myself included. Because when you see it from that lens of I don't have enough or I'm not good enough, that scarcity lens, you're, that's what you're going to receive back. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear what do you want to tell the younger generation? Like what do you hope for them? Like what changes do you hope for them through the work that you're doing or through people like you standing up and showing a different way of living and owning and uh, being in this self-love space? Like what do you hope for other younger generations?
1: Well, if I could, I would go door to door and sit on the couch with every young woman and reflect back to her, the magic that I really see in her, because I just feel that women are not showcased that as often as they are having someone or themselves point out all that is quote unquote wrong. And I would say to them that their darkness and their shadows and their doubt all gets to be part of the magic. This this life is not about never feeling bad or not admitting to our shadow sides or our rage or our heartbreak. It's that Uh that as well as all the other light and beauty is part of the magic of what it means to be a woman. We are so wildly, incredibly part of mother nature in that whole system. And so I think I would want women to know that don't be afraid of your heartbreak. Don't be afraid of the pimple on your face. Don't be afraid of what somebody said to you about what you should do to be more worthy. Unless it is lighting you up, we just walk away from all of that because that's not actually the truth. The truth is you were born wildly perfect and fully able To make it in this life authentically as yourself with everything that's already instilled in you. So it really is just, I would encourage them to remember who they were when they were little girls. Remember that magic. Remember that fire. Go back and live through her eyes. Go back and do it for her. So
0: beautiful. Yeah. I've seen people find a picture of the younger selves that feels like their true essence and remind themselves like all the work that you're doing is for that person or is for that girl. Like, that's what we're doing it for. It's not for the future self or anything. It's for that like little girl inside of all of us that just wants to be accepted and loved and do right by herself in the world. So. Yeah. And
1: I always think that little girl Imagine how heartbroken she would be to hear the 20, 30, 40, 50 and beyond year old selves standing in the mirror saying some of the things we say to ourselves, like how heartbreaking that would be for her to hear. And also Mm -hmm. like, wow, that that's what it all was. Like it was all that shallow.
0: It's different when you see like, oh, would I talk to my like a little girl like that? And that's what we're essentially doing. It's very different when you shift that perspective. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think I can ask you my final questions. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I just have three of them. They're very simple. The first one, with all the sharing that you're doing now and in this space, has there ever been a time that you might have overshared or because of oversharing, would you say something differently or do you kind of own your overshare anything around that space of
1: oversharing? I own my overshare and clients who get to work with me see a lot more of it as well, because I lead with so much vulnerability and authenticity, which I think is lacking in leadership. Um, we don't mm-hmm. get to see the humanity, and we don't get to see the inner workings or the guts of the inside of what it looks like for people on their own transformational journey. So I will never pedestalize myself um, because I, I don't ever believe that I know more or have figured something out. I'm just here sharing what has become my freedom with others. Um, and so, mm. no, I don't. I don't feel like I've overshared. I love it. I don't think you have either.
0: Um, Second question, what do you want to be known for or remembered by, by what you're doing or just in the world?
1: I want to be known as a public intellectual who changed the conversation around what it means to be a woman in midlife. I want it to be the thing that women cannot wait to enter because it's so beautiful. Mm. It's so sexy and sensual and expansive.
0: And then last question, any last piece of advice or leaving thought to end us on?
1: Mm. I would say surround yourself with people who feel like you can fly. Surround yourself with people who see so much potential in you and people who, when you walk away from a conversation, when you walk away from an interaction, you feel so inspired.
0: That's a great advice. Dr. Amanda, where can everyone find you, get your programs, all the work that you're doing, your book coming out, all of that good stuff?
1: So, my website is Amanda Hanson, with an O H A N S O N, AmandaHanson.com. All my programs, everything is on there. And then on TikTok and Instagram, I am Midlife Muse, M U S E. And then Facebook, where I'm not quite as active, but I do have a private community with over 3,000 women um, where I do other videos and things that I don't put elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. That's on Facebook, and that's Revolutionizing Midlife Facebook. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I really, really appreciate everything. And I'm excited to continue to follow along with all the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so very much for having me. It's been an honor. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime this podcast obviously send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on instagram and i'll see you next wednesday